Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, uh, usually by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. Today we're doing a bonus episode. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Machete, released by 20th Century Fox on September 3rd, 2010, starring Danny Trejo, Robert De Niro, Jessica Alba, Steven Seagal, Michelle Rodriguez, Jeff Fahey, Cheech Marine, Don Johnson, Shea Willingham, and Lindsay Lohan. Written by Robert Rodriguez and Alvaro Rodriguez. Directed by Ethan Manneke and Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, I, I, we didn't notate how people are credited in this time. I was lazy, but I believe it's introducing Don Johnson. Oh, you're actually, <laughs> you know, a, you're right, which I didn't have that in my notes. I found that very amusing. A weird gag. I'm not sure why that's, you know. I don't know. I found thing. it amusing. All Maybe right. it had been a long time since he actually had done a motion picture. That could be, because that was before the Don Johnson sons. <laughs> That we're currently is, in. Is there a is there everything for a, a renaissance after Matthew McConaughey? Is that what? Well, this is, predates Matthew McConaughey's renaissance, but uh, no, I, I mean Don Johnson has been in a lot of stuff recently. That's true. Usually playing a virulent racist, so <laughs> I, he's made I a, mean, quite that's a one, career. That's one of my notes. Is wow, I'm like this really re- <laughs> set him right up for Watchmen. Uh, yeah, this well, this this movie uh, kind of is the first one of the because it's this it's Watchmen. It's uh, I mean well. That's a minor, minor spoiler, and also unclear. We're in the middle of the season it's right true, now, so we don't know. Whatever. They're, they're unclear. Cl- unclear if he's a virulent racist or not, but, Fine. but likely. Um, it's a very small spoiler. Uh, and then in uh, Django. Yes, I forgot. You know what I forgot about Django? And I think there's one more. Uh, we, I, I feel like there's at least one more we're forgetting. So just he's made a career out of this. So introducing, I guess, is correct because this is reintroduces <laughs> this is his new career. Yeah, this reintroduces his, his playing new, racist his characters, new racist era. Yes. But anyway, yeah. So machete. We're doing this because I guess this is a spinoff <laughs> of Spy Kids three. I, I mean, I think so, right? But we were really stretching to find connections for the bonus episodes this uh, half season, I guess. And to me, this seemed like the most obvious one. There were a few other movies, like if we had done Judge Dredd, you know, we've got some kind of like in in our pocket that obviously we would do Dredd or at least consider that. Right. We haven't gotten to Judge Dredd yet. So. No, exactly. So like this this season, when you looked at the the half season lineup, there was not a lot of good options. And I thought this would be fun. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't remember this movie at all. Well, it's, it actually ends up being appropriate because this is going to be the first episode. We're putting up in the new year, so happy new year to you. Happy new year. Uh, an early one, so we're obviously recording this in 2019, but, uh, you know, 2020 is an election year, and what better time to cover a, a movie about a politician who wants to build a border wall than this movie? I, to, made in 2010, remarkably oh, precious. Oh, if I have seen this movie, I don't remember it. As I was watching this, I'm like, man alive, was this... Is this just the playbook that Roger Stone and company put together yeah, it, <laughs> like it's, in 2016? It's kind of spooky watching it just going like, wow, 2010. I mean, obviously, the Mexico border yeah. is has been an issue forever. But the way it's portrayed here... No, it's like... Is, it's, it's really... A rallying cry for a political, you know... Well, but I, 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 I don't... I saw it. I saw Machete when it was relatively new. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I think I saw it you know, a year or two after when it was on home video or something, or maybe the I mean, streaming was, I guess, a thing already at the time. So 2010, eh, right, the beginning of it, early, I, early stages. I might've seen it streaming, whatever. I know I saw, I saw it, you know, in the early 2010s and I'm sure when I saw it at the time, all this stuff must've played as like farcical. Yeah. Farcical satire. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> nuts to watch this in 2019, 2020. 
it it certainly was for me. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, there there are some things that I, you know I'm not a fan of. Yeah, in it, but uh, overall, and I haven't I've not seen the sequel, and I don't know if there are sequels. That, I think there are two sequels. Okay. Well, this movie ends with saying Machete will return. Yeah, in, that I, I do have noted. In Machete Kills, and then Machete Kills again. And I think the actual sequels were Machete Kills and Machete Kills in Space. No way. <laughs> I, I don't know if that one has actually been made or not. I'm looking this up. <laughs> okay. I try to avoid... Um, yeah, this is a bonus episode. We can... Being unprepared and doing things on my phone as we're doing the episode, but I need to now see if... Yeah, normal, I, that, normal, that on a normal like episode, we lepre- That feels too much like the Leprechaun series to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Jason Voorhees went to space. The Leprechaun went to space. Did Jason can't... go to space? Yeah, he totally did. Jason X. Oh, <laughs> It's a good one. It's very schlocky. Uh, but yeah, normally we would look this up up ahead of time, but it's a bonus episode, and so I certainly at, am coming in with very little. I, uh, so I'm or, looking it up now. Okay. Uh, and so what have we got? We've got Machete. Oh come on! I need to actually go to the IMDb page. I'm on the IMDb page. I don't know. Like, why don't you just yeah look it up? Just I mean, just search for Machete at the top because well, that that should list all of them. Machete kills 2013. Machete kills in space in development. Okay, so I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't wrong. In development. In development. Uh, they need to get the CGI cost down for outer space. They need just a few more years. Use this Spy Kids technology. This is Robert Rodriguez. He can make this thing very cheap. In cheaply. his garage. It doesn't have to look good. It just has to, you know. I mean, I could see. I, I mean, Machete is surprisingly. It's not as schlocky as you expect. I mean, it's 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 very Grindhouse, obviously, given yeah. its heritage, given where it began as a trailer in Grindhouse. Which is crazy. Uh, it is, and I think. Honestly, one of my problems with Machete is the way that it... It's, it's simultaneously impressive and also, I think, harmful to the movie. The way that it took the shots from the trailer and put them all in. Oh, I, see, I don't remember it at all. to make it fit. We should maybe pop in my... Because I have got Grindhouse on Blu-ray. Maybe we should pop it in and watch that trailer, which was made before the movie was made. And every single shot, every single line of dialogue that was in the trailer... Is in the movie? They found a way... In, in, in some ways, it's seamless, but in also in some ways, it's... Shoehorn. I think there are certain elements to this movie that wouldn't have been there if not for the trailer. Oh. Cheech Marin being a perfect example, where it's like, this character doesn't really have a purpose in this movie. He's just kind of... I mean, he doesn't... He's around, I- and he's a helper, and I think he was in the trailer, and he had his lines of, you know, God forgives, I don't, stuff like that. That was in the trailer, and so they had to figure out how to fit it into this movie. I feel like it, give, it feels a little mechanical, but I don't that know. That might be, I will say, a lot of my notes, and I don't have a ton on this one, but a lot of my notes, Cheech had some of the best stuff in this movie. Oh, yeah, you know, Cheech is great. I'm not <laughs> saying I don't like him. So it would have been a lot less without him, but I understand your point, and it may make sense because I don't, I don't remember the trailer at all. To, we'll, to we'll see, to, to try and, you know, if I, if I agree with you that it feels like certain things got shoehorned in to, to make all of the original Grindhouse trailer make it into the actual movie. We should watch the trailer uh, before we sign off, because right, yeah, I think fine. it'll be interesting to, to see that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the movie, too. Excuse me. I like the movie, too. It's, uh, you know, it, I think it, it could have pushed itself just, like, 10% more into, like, Escape from New York direction of just, like, a little bit schlockier, I think, would have gone a long way. I mean, it's pretty schlocky. He, he he straps a by the end of this movie he's strapping a minigun onto a motorcycle so I mean that's that's going a long way it's it's not not only is he strapping a minigun he's making out on a motorcycle at the very end oh yeah I mean he's got he, Machete can do it all yes with the, with this movie's favorite music cue the porno music that he always plays which was also from the trailer right that's a, I think that's also why that music is there 
It's it, right. it was a gag from the trailer, and they apparently liked it enough that every time there's anything remotely sexual, <laughs> well, there there is. There, there's an extended one in the pool because there. I, I told you. Before, oh yes, machete, 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 machete. That's the one. That's in my head. That's, I can't get it out of my head. A part of us all. A part of us all. A part of us all. <laughs> Repetition. It works. I can't. I'm serious. For the last <laughs> yeah. like three days, that has been in my head. That is the one exception. And you're right. It is a very catchy. Uh, it should have been the theme song to the movie. It should have been. Yeah. Because uh, actually, that's what should have been. I, I don't think it is played over the credits with uh, yeah. my machete, uh, machete will return. They should have absolutely used that. I don't think that music is used anywhere else. No, just I think it's only the pool scene with their Lindsay Lohan stand in. <laughs> she obviously had a no nudity clause. So that, that was distracting to me. I mean, how, I, wait a minute, how did she obviously I mean, Jessica Alba? It, it was it wasn't as clear, but it, it's it's CGI. It's really her, but it's CGI. I, mean, I, I assumed it was a body double also. No, it's not. You think it's CGI? Yeah. So that I, I, I didn't. I think I had read an article not that long ago, actually, talking. It was a, um, when Game of Thrones, I think, was either wrapping up or something, talking about uh, Amelia Clark. And it had uh, instances of, effectively, you know, nudity that was either body double and or CGI. And Jessica Alba, that's her, but she's wearing, I think, underwear. And then they just digitally remove uh, the underwear. Okay. That's, I mean, I, I, I feel like... It, in the case of Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan, I thought I was pretty sure it was a body double, so I don't know why, but maybe I'm wrong there. I, who knows? I, d- do you really think Lindsay Lohan at that point in her career cared? Apparently, because I, I'm pretty sure that's you know oh, in a right. couple of shots. I have it no was idea. Just, it, 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 I found it distracting that, that when there was nudity, hair was covering that character's face, and I'm like, okay, this is obviously a contractual thing. So you know, it was a thing that I noticed. Yeah, whatever. All right, so I. I <laughs> No, 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 I don't know. It just it probably says more about me than the movie, but you know, I didn't find it distracting. It doesn't really matter. I mean, Lindsay Lohan is. It's it's funny how this movie is almost ten years old now, and Lindsay Lohan seems like such a figure from the past now. Oh, big time! <laughs> it's like, well, Lindsay Lohan. It was the I last mean, time I, I thought about her. I I mean, I definitely thinking back. All right, so the gimmick is to have her for the the nun scene. I mean, that's really what it's the, yeah. the whole joke is. Yeah, I guess. But you're right. Nine years later, it's like, yeah, I, I understand why at that time it made sense, but now it's, it, it's, it uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't really change anything, but the joke, it's kind of like forgotten, because who cares? I bet Gen Z kids don't even know who Lindsay Lohan is. We're, to, we're getting to the point where like a generation behind us is pop culture figures are being forgotten, like Lindsay yeah, Lohan. Yeah, that's actually probably a fair statement, which I'll, I haven't thought about. It makes me feel even older. <laughs> I'll bet a 13-year-old has no clue who Lindsay Lohan is. <laughs> Not even joking. Uh, and why should they, really? I mean, this may be her greatest performance, which is not saying much. Uh-huh. Actually, that's not fair. I've seen her in things where she was fine. She's a f- decent actress. She, I actually kind of liked her in Prairie Home Companion, even though I do not like that movie or Never saw it, or the know. radio show. I don't even know why I saw it. Oh, I think Robert Altman directed it. I saw. I do it. think Robert Altman directed it. I saw it, yeah, and it was just like, I'm going to hate this, aren't I? And then I did. <laughs> but I remember actually thinking she was good in it. But anyway, uh, So I, I shouldn't knock her. What about Freaky Friday? I never saw Freaky Friday. Uh, well, actually, I have not seen Mean Girls either. To be honest, I've never really seen Lindsay Lohan in anything. I, I don't care. Okay. Well, I mean, I really don't care either. It's just... Uh, but what's more interesting is your concept that actually the millennial generation, some of their pop... You're right, because the oldest millennials are only a couple years younger than us. Right. And if it was a pop figure, either you know, reference in, pop culture reference in some way to the oldest millennials, yeah, Gen Z probably zero clue. For good reason, but whatever. She's, she's. I don't know why we're. we're 
talking about her, her. There's there's a million other people in this movie. I mean, Steven Seagal's in this movie. Robert De Niro's in this movie. What an eclectic cast. The cast I mean, that's, that's that Robert De Niro, Lindsay Lohan, Steven Seagal. You know, and and just put a Danny Trejo, obviously. Like, what? put a bunch of names in a barrel and start picking out names, and you probably wouldn't come up with that cast. I think it's worth seeing this movie just to see like bizarre pairings of actors. You know, like Lindsay Lohan and Robert De Niro have a scene together. Yes, <laughs> so it just that, just based on that alone. That concept is almost maddening. Yeah, and what's funny is up until and just before we we started recording, I briefly talked about my thoughts on the Irishman, but. It's funny that you say that the idea that Lindsay Lohan and Robert De Niro have a scene together, up until The Irishman, what's funny is that she may have had as much screen time with De Niro as Pacino did. I mean, I don't know how long exactly the scene in Heat is, but my point is, is that's an interesting note up yeah, until okay. obviously The Irishman. That Pacino and De Niro might have had the same amount of screen time in 2010 in a, as Lindsay Lohan and Robert De Niro. In a way, they're similar. It's a similar dynamic because it's two characters kind of on a collision course. Yeah. Except in this case, <laughs> it's Lindsay Lohan dressed up like a nun in the name of, of my father. In the yeah, instead of uh, Pacino. Uh, anyway, I like The Irishman. By the way, I'm going to put okay. that on record. I thought it was a very good movie. I'm going to be on record. I did not like okay. The Irishman. And what's funny is of the two of us, I am the one who loves those, you know, the, the movies that that is a, I'll call it a continuation of. Absolutely love them. No, I didn't like it at all. So, well, I mean, I, I maybe it's because I watched them close together, but uh, I think Robert De Niro in Machete is very bad. So, oh, see, I'm, <laughs> I think one, I think it's intentional and. I, I guess. I guess uh, is the idea that he's. We should probably talk about the plot at some point. But uh, is the idea that he is putting on that accent that oh, the character is absolutely no. I, I, so okay. we're gonna, we're going to cut to the end of my notes because at first I thought that it was supposed to be a grindhouse type movie, and you have an actor who just is supposed to have an accent, and then you know Ed Wood style midway through just abandons it. But what it really is is that he he basically he says I'm not even from Texas. I hate the heat. He's he's like pleading at the end. It's a, he is faking it 100. percent I guess I'm fine with it except for the fact that everybody else buys the accent. Everyone in this world is just like he's obviously from Texas. So okay, fine. I, if the idea is that he's faking this accent, how does everybody else buy? No, it? but the thing is, is, they know he's not from Texas. I don't think any everybody's buying that he's from Texas. If you're if you're a state senator, he, people know. Why is he faking an accent then? Because you know maybe he just said he lived there on there long enough, and he he picked it up. <laughs> I, I just was very distracted by that accent. Going, this is a this is Robert De Niro, one of our greatest actors. Who is putting on the fakest accent nope, I've heard in a movie in a long time? Okay, look, it was bad. I think it was intentionally bad, but I love the fact that he drops it in two instances. One when he's not on camera, which makes sense. But as soon as he decides, I'm going to turn against the, the you're you're against those good old boys. Right. He immediately abandons the accent. Yeah, I guess I'm. You're, if it's it's if the character is faking an accent, it's more forgivable. But yeah. Well, it, it was for me. It, it's funny because that was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie to the point that I actually put it in my limited notes. I think it would have been great if, if Robert De Niro did a better Texas accent. It's like the scene where he's giving a big speech in Austin, and I, I, I wanted everyone looking around and being like, what is this accent? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. But the thing is, is I don't, I think it was intentional. Because, I mean, De Niro is at least history. Now, this is 2010. Maybe he's, you know, had begun to really mail it in by that point. I don't know. Um, it was definitely a low point in his career. Right? Yeah, but my point being is that he was pretty committed to his roles as an actor in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I just, I don't. Yeah, I think if the intention was, 
and again, maybe you're right. Maybe it was a low point and he just didn't care. But I, I think if if the role was written that it was supposed to not be an obvious fake accent, I think he would have worked to get it. Well, I, I think my suspicion is Robert De Niro did this movie for two reasons. Well, third reason probably being to he probably thought it, was, it would be fun. Uh, no, he never works with Steven Seagal, fortunately. That would have been the oddest pairing possible. <laughs> the biggest disparity in acting talents in the history of... I mean, that would have been... An, matter, anti-matter, the film would explode. We, we would not be here if Robert the unstoppable De unstoppable force versus the immovable object. <laughs> if Robert De Niro and Steven Seagal had shared a scene together, I don't think film would have survived. Oh, no, but I think, the three, I think, one, he probably thought it would be a fun, schlocky movie to do. Like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure he... Mission accomplished. Yeah. Two, I get the sense... That, you know, he wanted to support his buddy Danny Trejo, who he knew from Heat. And I get the sense he was happy for Danny Trejo. Oh, you got your own movie. I, I want to be in it just to like, support you. Yeah. And three, I think, you know, Robert De Niro isn't uh, shy about his political point of view. And he thought probably he had an opportunity to, to skewer the other side, you know. Take a few jabs. I think that's probably what he's doing here. So I don't think he took this role because he thought it was an interesting role. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. So in that sense. Are there really any interesting roles in this movie? Uh, I kind of like Michelle Rodriguez's character. Really? Oh, what's oh, man? We were like the polar opposite. She's <laughs> to me, she probably is the worst part of this movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we are total opposite. Some of it's. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not a Michelle Rodriguez fan. Okay. I like Michelle Rodriguez. I know. We've. I, well, you've noted it. I haven't said how I'm not. I'm. I was never a fan. All right. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of taste, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I've I've rarely seen her in a movie where I just find her. I, I think she's a compelling. Actress in terms of like she fits a niche like she's not uh, um kind of what's her name from she was the villain in Fast and Furious Eight in fact where Charlie Stern yeah Charlie Stern where she's doing a lot of like action movies but like is still like gorgeous and it's all very stylized like I feel like Michelle Rodriguez falls right in the middle of that and like like kind of a bruiser like just. Just tough and built oh. like a house and like a former <laughs> MMA for uh, what's her name who cannot act Ronda Rousey Ronda Rousey you know like that's the other end of that spectrum where it's just like genuinely tough probably like for real like probably women who could kick the shit out of me Michelle Rodriguez is in the middle she's like I guess she fills I, a she fills a, a niche that I don't think a lot of women are filling in terms of like action. You know, she can do these action roles, but she's not Ronda Rousey. You know, she can actually act and is pretty good. Uh, well, here's what I will say that was maybe the most exciting, and I don't know about interesting performance. No, maybe actually my favorite performance in it, too. Captain Frank J. Lapidus from Lost is probably my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, Jeff Fahey. He's in a million things, and that, that guy I, is such a chameleon. He is, but that's the thing. is, like, At first, I didn't even I'm like, wait, it's yeah. Captain Frank J. Lapidus, and that's all I could come up with. And I didn't look up on his IMDb page, because that's all I needed, was that he was Captain Frank J. Lapidus. You'll be shocked. I mean, How much I, he's done. This is obviously a very loose episode, and we're, we're yeah. looking stuff up, but um, Lost is the first thing on his list. Well, so I'm glad, I, then. It's not just me. Uh, he's been in a million things. So I don't, I, it's, this list is probably... Excuse me. This, this list is probably too long to uh, go through, but uh, I'm, I'm sure if we went through this list in detail, you would recognize other stuff. Well, he, I mean, he also is kind of carrying the movie for the most part. It's really yeah. him and Danny Trejo who carry this movie. Yeah. Jeff Fahey does a great job. He, he, to me, is giving, I think, the best performance and the most interesting character in the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he's he's the puppet master pulling all the strings, for sure. He's playing every side <laughs> until, against itself. Until Steven Seagal comes in. Uh, well, no, uh, uh, De Niro kills De him. De Niro kills him, but yeah. it's, 
it's the reaction to Seagal showing on his video phone, which I I found laughable. Sure. That he's in uh, that he was in uh, Fahey's town. Oh, where he he tilts his camera up, his yeah. webcam up. Look, I'm in it's it's the dome in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Remember when there were giant invisible robots that fought in the street? <laughs> I do find it kind of charming that all of Robert Rodriguez's movies now just set, are set in Austin because he doesn't want to go anywhere. Just like, I live here, so all my movies are set here. I don't want to go anywhere. Uh, yeah, basically. But yeah, there's. I mean, we should talk about the plot a little bit because Jeff Fahey's character is manipulating a million different factions, and uh, I do enjoy... There's, there's a lot more going on than there needs to be for a movie like this. You could very easily see a version of this where it's just like, you know, they tried to kill him, and now he wants to... Like Jeff, Jeff Fahey... Or, you know, I don't know, tries to set him up for taking the fall yeah, so. for killing Robert De Niro, double-crosses Danny Trejo, and then Machete just wants to get revenge and fights through a million of Jeff Fahey's men to get back of him. But it's, it's way more complex than that. Uh, it is. And even some of the, the sidebars, as you said, the, to weave in Cheech Marine, I found most of those to be entertaining overall. I mean, there were some that... Most don't really go anywhere because you just outlined what basically the entire plot is. And there's a couple of detours, but I find the detours to be entertaining. I mean, yes and no. I, I mean, I guess so. But most of the movie is not really uh, Machete trying to get revenge. He's actually like doing police work and him and Jessica Alba are like gathering evidence and for some reason drugging Jeff Fahey's wife and daughter. And for some reason, I'm not even really so sure. So he can be with God. I guess. That's one of the moments I'm thinking of when I think of, I'm talking about like the movie trying to shoehorn in the trailer moments. It's yeah. like, what is the <laughs> machete shows up at Jeff Fahey's house? Lindsay Lohan and mother are in the back filming for her webcam for her like you know she's a cam girl yeah and and uh, like oh you're not the usual guy <laughs> and then I, who knows if anything happens there presumably it does presumably there's evidence on the internet of it happening I mean I would assume. Uh, and then he drugs her with some kind of drugged tequila, both of them, drugs both of them, takes them both to the church, and then they're both asleep until the end when Lizzie Lohan finds a, a, a nun's habit and puts that on and, and right. decides to join the fight at the end. There's a lot of subplots, there's a lot of characters, and a lot of them are kind of weird cul-de-sacs, but they're all fun, you're right. Yeah, They I, justify themselves just by being kind of silly. I mean, fun. I think that's what most of the movie is. is it's, it's being silly, is, is right. what most of it is. Which but is, I think, if you're buying a ticket to go see this movie, that's what you want. But to be clear, what could have been a very simple plot is it's Steven Seagal as a Mexican crime lord. <laughs> think about that for a minute. <laughs> sure. But he's he's got a samurai sword, so I, I don't know, know if there's... What, does, what is his heritage? I have no idea. I don't either, because he's mostly then also surrounded himself... I mean, his name is Torres. I right. don't know if that... If that what's funny is if he just... I here's what I envision. All right, Let, let's 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 play some devil's advocate. This is what I envision because he's right. he has a samurai sword. He has surrounded himself with Asian women of Asian descent. Has he surrounded himself? There's one. I think there's more than one down in the compound, isn't there? I think at the, at the pool there's all sorts of ladies. Okay, well then maybe there's the one kind of prominent. Well, yeah, she she's her, his she is his henchman, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. All right, so maybe I'm wrong, but here's what I think. I think Seagal had a different name overthrew the Torres cartel and just decided, I like the name. So okay. he, he appropriated Mexican culture by taking the Torres name when he assassinated I the leader of the cartel. That's what I think. Because <laughs> Steven Seagal, no. And you're not walking around with a samurai sword in in Mexico. I, the I, idea I, that <laughs> this Mexican cartel, which presumably is vast, like, <laughs> you know, would accept 
Steven Seagal as the head of the syndicate. It's absurd. It is very absurd. I mean, that character, I, what is Steven Seagal doing in this movie? <laughs> you hate Steven Seagal, so let's I mean, just I put kinda, that out there. I, I kind of do. There's, you know, I like Under Siege. And a, a no, you hate Steven Seagal. I, I don't not, like Steven Seagal. I'm, right. That, I mean, that's clear. I, I, <laughs> you've made it abundantly clear on previous episodes. Yeah. And, and justifiably. But here's what I'll say is that I got to admit, I kind of like how absurd it is. If you're going to put Steven Seagal on your movie, at least this kind of subverts. He's not playing the hero. He's at least doing something different and having a little bit of fun with, you know, this reversal where now he's playing the villain. It's like like Mel Gibson in Expendables 3. It's not a good movie, but it's fun to watch him do that. What I was going to say is more so, it's more like, although I think it was more fun, Jean-Claude Van Damme in... Uh, oh, and two, yeah, yeah and two. Expendables two, yeah. I yeah. and I, I think Van Damme was better and more enjoyable Agreed. than Seagal, but I don't know. I it it it's cartoonish. I mean, to have him with a samurai sword with the name of Torres in charge of a Mexican drug cartel, it it's cartoonish, and I to me that was fun. Well, let me loop around to why I particularly don't like Steven Seagal. I think we've talked about it, but go ahead. Well, but in in this movie in particular, but I just want to run through the plot real quick. Steven Seagal. He is working with these, like, vigilante Border Patrol guys. Racist, and, yeah, Border yeah, Patrol guys. And, uh, um, and, and, and De Niro. State, and State Senator McLaughlin. Yeah, That's the McLaughlin. one character I will not forget. Okay. To build this border wall because then they will control the, the secret crossing points and they'll be able to control 100% of the drug flow into the United States, which that, will increase their profits. Well, no, that's what Torres gets out of it. Right. Because Fahey's character, he wants to keep... The labor, actually, from the, ironically talking about like Trump stealing from the playbook, he wants to keep the labor from being able to illegally cross the border. And that's one of my questions that doesn't make sense is so his character says that you know you reduce the supply, meaning the supply of labor, then the you know you, we drive the costs up oh, and no, profits I think he's up. To talking about drugs, no, I think I mean he does mention that oh you know this country is you know it uh, whatever he says the, the wheels are greased by illegal labor. Yes, well, he has he gives a big speech, but I I think that's separate to. I think he has two parallel motivations. One is personal. I want to make more money from this drug cartel that I'm tied into. But then also I think he has a political point of view of it's a little contradictory because he wants to build the wall. Yeah, so maybe you're right that all of his profits were really being driven by the drug trade. Because if not, it doesn't make any sense. Because actually driving up the cost of labor, it's it's not going to only drive up revenue. It will also drive up expenses. Yeah, I think it's kind of an inconsistency. I didn't really think about it. But yeah. I, think, I think it's an inconsistency because the speech he gives makes it sound like he doesn't want the wall. It's like, we need this illegal labor. It, it keeps costs down to have these people working for nothing. That's the speech he gives, but yeah. then at the same time, he says, but in a different speech, he's talking about that less supply means, and the same level of demand means higher prices and higher profits. So what my question is, I'm like, I don't understand. Is he running like a temp agency? Because if he's, <laughs> no, I if, he's not in the, sure. if he's not in the labor business, if he's not fist, right, if he's not yeah. running a labor union or something, I don't think that's going to help your profits. No, I think he's talking about drugs in it that It must case. be. All right, you've corrected me on that. I th- but it, I, it's not clear. And I don't think necessarily... The, the movie, movie is, cares? Yeah, the movie doesn't care that much. I mean, the movie, I think, does have a point of view on, on the, the border situation, but yeah. what are these characters' points of view? Not entirely clear. So they, really they, both, they both want the wall built. Senator McLaughlin, he really just cares about power. He, I don't think he right. really cares about anything he else. He wants to use this issue... To it's kept him in office. himself yeah. to prominence and which I my first uh, my second note is actually 
State Senator McLaughlin was aiming too low in his campaign. He could have easily targeted a run for the White House. And I said, because you've got him in that opening sequence, you've got him shooting, you know, on on camera, shooting somebody crossing the border. I'm like, to the point... Somebody made reference. I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and it would—I wouldn't lose any of my supporters. I'm like, oh my god, that's the stuff that would have seemed totally absurd and, and farcical. And yeah, that it doesn't seem honestly they, farcical anymore, which is terrifying. It is, but it's like—it's that scene in particular to me was like The Simpsons in how and multiple references that you can find that The Simpsons had something in an episode 20 years ago, right? And it becomes not everything, but many things that come true. I'm like. Uh, he's, you've got a guy saying I could. Sh- this will be big with my supporters, and he's shooting somebody. A, a, city, a sitting state senator shooting, uh, you know, people crossing the border, and then saying, "I, I can't wait to show this to my high dollar supporters." Am- I mean, yeah. I'm, I don't want to say amazing. I, it's. I mean, it's it, like absurd. It's it's, but, uh, it's obviously intended to be black comedy, it, right? But but the, but the point is, the comedy been, gets drained away over the course of these ten years. Yes, exactly. So from the time that this was made till 2016, basically, or 2015, whatever, yeah. the comedy is drained because life became reality. Yeah, right. This doesn't seem at all like the cartoon that it was when it was made. Yeah. No. That, that, I, like, well, obviously, we can, at the time it was made, it's like, we, we can laugh at this because obviously this would never happen, but it's like, it's not. And, and to that me, far that, the truth. There's a, there, I mean, there's other instances, but that one in particular, like, jumped out. I'm like, oh my God. And it's really early in the movie, too. To be fair, to my knowledge, no sitting uh, American politicians have been caught on camera shooting immigrants, but it's still, it's, it's a hair's breadth away. Or, you know, but uh, the parallel to, to you know, Trump saying, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue yeah. and I wouldn't lose any of my supporters. Uh, it, look, it's not verbatim, but it's cl- I mean, that's close enough well, uh, to what plays out in the movie. De Niro, it goes beyond not losing supporters. De Niro says, <laughs> I will gain supporters. They'll love this. I'll get more money, if nothing right. else, from my big dollar. And yet, when he's exposed and the news shows the clip of him uh, of doing that, it's destroyed him. So, well, well, I guess, which is it? He, he wants it to be to secretly the, no, distributed. The, right. See, on the general public, no. But to certain of it, who his court... That's That, to me, actually, is the reason why it's more frighteningly prescient, is that... To the core, whatever his core supporters are, that goes a long way to the same thing. Yeah, right. I could go out and shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. And I wouldn't lose any of my support. It's it's very similar to the same thing. And yet he loses support with Don Johnson by the end because because of that good sound. So I guess it's just that's another thing I'm not entirely clear on why Don Johnson, who is clearly you know he leads this group of racists who are the vigilantes patrolling the border, and I mean that and that's obviously based on things that actually happen i don't know how that frequently extent, yeah. they're actually gunshots fired but you know i mean it's obviously based on something that was happening then and even more so now it's just yeah. wackos driving around the border feeling like i'm gonna you know do my part in, in like this twisted patriotism and yet i don't understand in this movie something happens where where suddenly uh, don johnson is just like you you know blew it or whatever i i, I never understood why what turned, is going on there he, because De Niro shows up, or does he show up at the border, or they're like compound or whatever? Because there's a big battle at the end. Yeah, it's like this this uh, vigilante group's compound. Yeah, and they, well, they've taken they take McLaughlin hostage, 
and they're going to execute him, and they're going to simulcast actually his execution live. I think on the internet. I don't think it. Yeah, I think it was right. the internet. But there was why? a lot of there was a lot of streaming on the internet videos. That's and, the, and it, well, there it must have really been big. I don't remember 2010 yeah. that well, but it must have been really big back then. You got then. both sex and violence being streamed to the internet in this movie for sure. <laughs> but why did they turn on Senator McLaughlin? That's that's the part I'm not clear on. Uh, I think there was some kind of oh, uh, it's because I think it's uncovered that. McLaughlin was working with Torres. That that's why. And so they're so blatantly racist. No, but there's the scene with Don Johnson talking to Torres over Skype. He knew. Oh yeah, that's right. They 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 work for Torres. He he yeah. gives them the guns. No, it, it didn't thought, make sense to I me. I thought that they were just so racist that even somebody who could help their cause, meaning a state senator, no, uh, the, no uh, you're right. Steven Seagal's there. He's there and he supplies he supplies their weapons. So they're working for right. him, really. And that's the part looping back around to Steven Seagal on why I don't like him. All this happens, you know, there's a big battle, the, uh, Machete's got a minigun on his motorcycle, Michelle Rodriguez shows up in an eye patch. Uh, Lindsay Lohan's there in a nun's habit, there's nurses, there's all kinds of just two cooks who are just kind of a mi- minor characters, like, we gotta do our part, they show up and help. Yes. Um, a, whole, a big battle where everyone's got guns and no one's shooting anybody. They're all, like, fighting hand-to-hand, like, everyone's got guns, and they're just, like, struggling, like, physically. Anyway. Because it's pre-John Wick. I guess. That's the one thing about this movie. I think the, the action choreography leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah. It's not like an amazing action movie. Uh, no, but it, I'm not sure it's intended to be either. Yeah, it's more of a grindhouse B movie. Like, we've been doing a lot of canon films in this podcast of late, and they're the Death Wish movies and, yeah. you know, Invasion USA. They don't have good action scenes either. It doesn't fits, you know, really. It just fits right in. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and it's intentionally trying to be that. Uh, anyway, I keep getting distracted. Oh, so Steven Seagal at the end, everyone's dead. You know, uh, Robert De Niro. Well, he's not dead yet, but he wanders off. He gets his like, you know, ironic comeuppance at the end. Um, but Don Johnson's dead. Uh, um, you know, Jeff Fahey's dead. And so basically the whole plot has been foiled and Steven Seagal's there and he's just like, now we must fight with swords. And <laughs> it's like, well, try again, find some other politician and pay them off and try try to get the wall no, built in a year. But it wasn't just the wall. It was personal between him and Machete. I guess. Yeah, there's that whole like pre-title sequence. Well, no, it's they, not they, even just that. Oh, but he, he he gives on his diatribe about how they were they were partners before. It, I mean, it's, oh, right. it's a trope. So <laughs> it I comes mean, out of nowhere. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, but that's what it has to be. That because the, oh, that's the only justification to refute what you're saying, which is like just find another way. Just wait and try and get somebody elected president. And you can build the wall, right? So to refute your, but then make the whole movie that make it make the movie a personal vendetta between Steven Seagal and Danny Trejo. Guess, why are you complaining? It, it, this is just mindless fun. <laughs> It's too you just complicated. Don't like Steven Seagal. No, I, I think I think the disconnect for me is it is mindless fun, but it's also overly complicated. Because if it was again, if it was just Danny Trejo versus Mexican cartel led by Steven Seagal, done. I'm I'm on board for that. Um, Seagal, especially or no. if Steven Seagal gets his comeuppance. Uh, sure. Well, no, he doesn't get his comeuppance. I, I, wanted, I wanted to set up all this to get to his death because I think the context matters. There's a sword sword versus machete fight. So Steven Seagal wins the fight more or less, and then yeah. he kind of just like waits too long. You know, he's gloating, and he does then, the villain move. Yeah, and Machete just sticks him in the in the chest, and then <laughs> Steven Seagal just like, oh, this is nothing. And, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm still gonna walk it off. I'm just gonna walk it off, and, and you know, it's like. And then he like you know commits seppuku basically like yes. a samurai he, he, with a machete with a machete. And I'm I am certain. This is why I can't stand Steven Seagal. I am 100 percent certain. Steven Seagal insisted, I can't be killed by Danny Trejo. I have to commit suicide. 
The only one who can kill Steven Seagal is Steven Seagal. I'm the only one that can defeat me. Is, is that plausible or what? Knowing hundred percent plausible. Knowing what we know about Steven Seagal, I mean that that guy. I mean, he's a very Trumpian figure. He's the Trump of films in terms of like gigantic ego, like not in touch with reality. Didn't really earn very much. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, have you ever seen? Uh, if not, I'll show you when the. Show's I love up. the idea. You're right, though. That's exactly what it is in his mind. I'm the only one who can defeat yeah, me. Yeah, I, I'm certain that that was the negotiation because there's like a 30 second gap where he he's just like he literally says like oh, it's nothing, I'm fine, and then he kills himself. Well, here, here's why I think that happened. I don't know if you've ever seen this this interview with Stephen Tobolowski. You know who he is? He's he was, I know the name. He was in uh, Groundhog Day. He was the you know the guy, the the, the annoying salesman, like the uh, ball guy. Yeah, yeah. What was that character's name? Not, yeah, he's, he's not Norm. Is it the Ned Ryerson? Ned, yeah. Is is he the one that when um, steps in the giant pothole? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he's in the movie Sneakers, which I know you weren't. A oh, big sure. Fan yeah. Of. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, his voice is his password. Yeah. Uh, Verify me. Yeah, I don't like that movie, but I remember that. Uh, he was in a movie. I, there's an interview on YouTube which we should watch. Uh, we're not set up to for clips, but after the show, I'll show it to you. Uh, maybe you've seen this clip, but there's an oh. interview with him on YouTube. He was in a Steven. He was in the Glimmer Man. Okay. With Steven Seagal and, and uh, Keenan Ivory, Ivory Wayans. Wayans. Yeah, I've never seen the movie. Never mind. But Stephen Tobolowski did this interview. He told a story about he played a serial killer, I guess, and <laughs> Steven Seagal in the script. Stephen Tobolowski has a hostage, and uh, Seagal shoots him or something like that. Stephen Tob- Tobolowski was in one scene, right? I think it's like the beginning to set up the characters. And I guess Steven Seagal was like, you know, there's just too much violence in the world, and I, I don't know if I should kill this guy. It's like, well, Steven, he's a serial killer who's holding someone hostage. You're a police officer. I think you're justified. Like, it's an action movie. Let's not worry about it. You know, why are you bringing this up now the day we're shooting? You should have brought this up months ago. Well, I, just, I don't want to. I'm not going to kill him. And it's like, and Steven Tobolowsky said he talked to Seagal and said, no, you have to understand. I'm in pain. I'm a sick person, and you'd be setting me free. He's like, oh, I guess when you put it that way. He convinced, <laughs> so he convinces Steven Seagal to shoot him so that they can actually shoot the scene. And then, But the best part of the story is then Steven Tobolowsky's like, well, months later, I get a call from the director saying, listen, Steven Seagal has been ad-libbing for the rest of the shoot saying, oh, I'm so glad I didn't kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, like, the director's like, Steven Tobolowsky, we need you to come in and do some ADR. And so for the scene where you get shot, we need you to go, finish me off, you son of a bitch, while you're off screen. Like, you fall out of frame, looking like you're dead, but then you go, finish me off, you son of a bitch. That's awesome! <laughs> and just just, just the uh, arrogance of of Steven Seagal, they're just on the day, just like, I don't, I just, there's too much violence in the world, I don't think I should kill him. It's a great story. Look it up on YouTube. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm that entirely is... doing it justice, but oh, it's, it's a great you. story. Thank you, you've made my night with that one. Yeah. Oh, anyway. All right. Evidence that Steven Seagal sucks. <laughs> Exhibit Q. So I've got a few things on my notes, but so I, I think we've pretty much covered the plot, unless there's anything else we want to cover. <laughs> Have we? <laughs> we haven't touched on Jessica Alba's character at all. Oh, like, all right. There's, a, there's an investigation. She, she's an ICE agent, which is also <laughs> extremely topical. Yes. The movie does have a somewhat jaundiced eye towards ice, although we never really see her interact with her boss. Also, There's it, phone calls, and that's about it. Yeah, we never meet that character. It's only over the phone. I don't even think we really hear his side of the conversation. No, it's you like, do a little bit, but not much. Do you? Okay. Yeah. 
but yeah, she eventually her 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 arc is realizing that you know sometimes the law is unjust, and I'm not always going to follow the law. She's you know she gives speeches at the beginning saying the system works, and you need to follow the system, and you know don't break the law. You need to work within the law, and then at the end she's leading a group of revolutionaries against you know racist uh, a holes. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a yeah. I'm not a Jessica Alba fan, so I'm generally not either. I think she's fine. She she's very bland. I. Yeah. I've not seen her in much, but yeah, the things I've seen her in, nothing really sticks in no. terms of like, you know, memorable performances or no. And I, I would chalk this one up to more of the same. Yeah, I, I think her character would work better if there was some indication that De Niro's character pushed a law through that was preventing them from pursuing legal action against Jeff Fahey, you know, or or even uh, you know Don Johnson. Like, there's no real sense of why like they have a mountain of evidence uh, machete breaks into jeff Fahey's office steals all his files they very easily decrypt them and then they also find the footage of de niro shooting the people at the border <laughs> and they have you it is a mountain of evidence it is a mountain of evidence and you know why it's because after machete 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 <laughs> it just everything was readily available because whoever was supposed of those bodyguards which the bodyguards were outstanding i, I did like them too. the scenes with those guys yeah Essentially, especially the second go around when they're having the conversation, right. why are we, you know this guy's kind of a he's kind of a jerk. Why are we why are we yeah. you know defending this guy? Yeah, it's like where's your loyalty? And then, and then later when Machete shows up, exactly. I loved the two sequences with those yeah, guys. The one guy's just like I quit. Yep, and he, he like <laughs> he just turns over the he yep, has Machete is gone. I'm done. Man. I'm out of here. Yeah, I do like uh, Machete's commitment to not using a lot of guns until that chain gun at the end. But still, like. There's a couple of moments where he gets a gun. He's got the gun in one hand and his machete in the other. And he's like, his gun. I don't need Especially it. when he uses it to drive a police car. <laughs> that might have been my favorite moment. Does he actually use the machete when he's yes, caught by the fake cops? Because when he's caught by the fake cops and the one says, I didn't frisk him. What do you mean you didn't frisk <laughs> right. him? You frisked him. No, I didn't. <laughs> stabs him. So like he's got the cop. And when he turns this way, the cop then instinctively oh. turns the wheel. I didn't know. And then that. he turns it the other way to avoid another car. He does it like three times. I'm like, this is amazing. I don't think I noticed that it corresponded to what Machete was doing. It's I, think, I think I just like thought, a joystick. I thought. I guess I just assumed that the the character who was dying was trying to avoid the no okay. Machete is driving from the back. It is very much like. A, a punchline to like an Abbott and Costello bit, except it's the most violent punchline ever. I thought you frisked him. No, I thought you frisked him. <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, yeah, we, we we haven't talked much about Danny Trejo, who is great in this movie. I mean, he's generally great in most things. Uh, I'm glad that he got his own movie. In some ways, I wish it wasn't kind of a schlocky, you know, grindhouse fun movie. Because uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, he's he might be my like second favorite part of Heat. I mean, he's not in Heat a lot, but every one of his scenes. Are gold. Yeah, I think he is capable of more than casting directors give him credit for. Yeah. He could be in more varied parts and, you know, more serious parts. I think mostly he's in movies like this. Yeah. I saw him in a very small part in a terrible straight-to-video Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> this one I was... <laughs> There's a lot of Steven Seagal tonight. This one I was forced to watch back when I was reviewing DVDs. This is, this Do you is remember what it was? Urban Justice. It was terrible. And he he had one scene where he just played some kind of like, you know, Mexican, like local hood, and he, he helps Steven Seagal. I wonder if maybe Danny Trejo is why Seagal's in this, because maybe they're friends. I don't know. But Could uh, be. Uh, Danny Trejo gets a lot of parts like that, like a small part in a direct-to-video movie. He probably, I'll bet he makes 15 movies a year, and like only two or three of them we would have ever heard of, and mm-hmm. the rest are all direct-to-video. I, I think he is more talented than that. 
I mean, obviously, his face is a lot of character. I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Like you know, maybe it's just tough to. As much as I would like to see him cast as like a banker, <laughs> movies aren't going to do that. I let's just let's fa- banker. No, but let's face it. I mean, just with a face like that, they're not going to no. pass him in that part. But I mean, it's, it's a shame he, he can't get a part like this where he can win a street fight without even throwing a punch. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> it's amazing. I think I would have liked the opening of this movie more if we didn't get that pre-title scene. I don't like the pre-title sequence. I don't really love it either. The only thing, and this is my first note, I do have to note it. So it's it's two things. I said Machete's, Machete's partner, partner was not right. This is not just any kidnapping victim, and here's why. Because apparently in this kidnapping victim can hide a cellular phone oh, while yeah. completely naked. Oh, sure. <laughs> the sound effects to boot. They, they, they did some Foley work on her hiding place there. You're right. I noticed because I had the subtitles on, and I think it said squishing noises. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I believe it, that's what Amazon, or no, it was HBO. That's what HBO's... Uh, this was on HBO? It was on HBO Go. Oh, I didn't know that. I should have looked. I mean, I whatever. I got the DVD from the library, so it doesn't matter. Sure. I didn't know. It, do you know if the, is the sequel up? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. I wonder if it is. That'd be interesting because I, I might watch it. I've never seen it. I've so, heard it's not good, but I don't know. I don't know how. Well, probably if the third one is in development, it probably would. I mean, I don't know what the box office. I don't know. I didn't even look at the box office for this one, so I have no idea whether or not um, yeah. it did well or not. Obviously, it must have done well enough to to get at least the uh, the second one made. Um, Shade Kills is not on HBO Go. Yeah, so his partner in that opening sequence was not right. That it was not just any kidnapping victim. But overall, you're right. Other than for them to have just more nudity in the movie, there there was they wanted to get it out of the way, like, pretty much to establish what this movie was, and they, sure. I think they do it pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's the first instance of that. But it doesn't have machete, 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 machete. No, that's, they should have played that every time yes, there was there was sex or nudity. Um, yeah, I just there's no backstory. We never learn who that girl. I mean, you know what it is? It's the opening scene to uh, Never Say Never Again, the knockoff Bond movie with Sean Connery. You're right. It's the exact same scene. You're right. Uh, we never learn. Okay, she's obviously in cahoots, or she, or in has, some way, yes, because she. But she never stabs comes- him in the leg and then calls Seagal. Right. Well, no, call, actually calls his boss first because his boss, uh, the Federale, shows up first with Steven Skull. Right. But none of this comes back. That girl doesn't come back. Nope. His old Federale boss never oh, comes back. Only Seagal. That's it. Uh, well, she can't come back because she's killed immediately. Oh, that's right. She is killed. I forgot that they killed her. Yeah, they killed her immediately. They also killed Machete's wife and, and presumably child. Off yeah. yeah, off screen. We don't know for sure that the daughter was killed, so I wouldn't be surprised if that character comes back in oh, uh, Mich- a, yeah. a Machete sequel. I have no idea. Could be. Um, but I think it would have been better if it opened like uh, They Live. I don't know how familiar you are with They Live, but uh, like, you know, They Live is just Roddy Piper 1. Oh, no. They li- I absolutely, okay. that's, I rem- that's a movie I saw as a kid, and I just was, I'm like, what is going on? I love They Live. I love They Live also. One of the okay. best fight sequences I've, like, Agreed. realistic fight sequences I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great fight. No, but I don't know, because uh, it's more, uh, it, it yeah, it, I know what you mean by realistic. It's I mean, more of like a, a a brawl than it is like today. Yeah. It's all choreographed and like stylized. That that was not at all. It, but if someone got punched that much over the course of the five minutes or eight minutes or whatever, not realistic that way. But yeah. I, what it, it's messy. No, no, no that, I, I'm that, with you. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. a messy fight where today it's like it's ballet basically. Sure. No, I, I love they live also. But I mean, you know, the just way put those glasses on the way they live starts with Roddy Piper just kind of like coming into town and we don't know anything about him. There's kind of the mystery to. I, I would have much preferred Machete just kind of like, 
He comes into town and he gets in that fight where he doesn't even throw a punch and he, he won't he's drop his, his coffee. No, he's got a burrito, right? Oh, that's right. It is. He's eating he, a burrito. He doesn't right. want to put down the burrito. You know, and if that was the introduction to the character of like, oh, who is this guy? And I mean, I guess we know we saw him in the Spy Kids movies in theory. I mean, the last time we saw the machete, he had jetpack boots on. So I'm not entirely sure that the continuity makes sense. Don't you love the difference between I do jet boots and Spy Kids 3 to this? Using a machete to be able to drive somebody you are murdering in a car. Well, also, Junie is in this movie playing a different character. He is? Yeah, oh, he's man. a lot older now, so he, he probably... You know, there's the two guys, one's always drawing, and then the other one is, like, adopted, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, because he's clearly not of... That's uh, him. Le- You're, oh, man, I didn't even had, think... Yeah. <laughs> it's Junie. He's a lot older, because, what, Spy Kids 3 was 2003, and this is 2010, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's him. I don't think the girl from Spy Kids is in this movie. If she was, I didn't notice her. I know. There's a couple of things in my notes that I want to... Do, do you have, like, other thoughts you want to cover on this one, or...? No, I really didn't come in with that much all right, notes that's at fine. all, so, I mean... All right, uh, well, then let me let me drive the conversation a little bit. I want to talk at least for a little while about a couple of those sidebars. We'll start first with maybe the shortest one. I got to tell you right now, the commercial for Osiris, the the hitman... <laughs> You're right, yeah. Oh. That that goes full uh, stock, like, <sighs> full, full corny... Uh, I, and I want to tell you, I loved... Every minute of that commercial, yeah. the push-ups, <laughs> like, yeah, like his fingertips, yeah, and he's doing like trick stunts on a motorcycle. A character played by Tom Savini, who yes. is is uh, under- sex machine, yeah, not not used as an actor nearly enough. No, I mean, he's he's most known as a makeup guy, but uh, yeah. I, and to be honest, I wish he was in this movie more because they don't really give him a lot. Does he? What happens to that character? Does so he he, uh, he no, he does not die. So what happens to his character? He's successful in killing who I also want to talk about, Cheech. Cheech, yeah. And then that's basically it because so they they crucify him. They go oh, back. Oh, and then to, Machete learns to text. Yeah, oh, you, you, Machete don't text. Machete don't text. And then he's just fat fingering, <laughs> right. just mashing buttons on that phone. It's like uh, have you seen Zoolander? I don't like Zoolander, but I this, hate that movie. Okay, I don't like the movie either. But where they're pounding on the computer yeah. in the computer, that's, that's what it reminded me of. Is him like just kind of like mushing the, the keys on, on the phone? Because <laughs> like, he does, mean, well, even then he's not texting; he's improvising. He that's is. what Machete says. But I like it's, it's it's not that he's dumb. The movie is not. He's no. it's portraying him as a pretty smart guy. It's yeah. that he's just unfamiliar with. Tech- I, Technology. No, and what's funny is I took it as because I, I fast forwarded and I was some. This was tongue in cheek. I said, "Does does he tweet?" Because I actually think what it is is that Machete he's above it and he's cooler than texting and social media. He can. It's not that he's dumb. He's like, no, this is nonsense. I'm I'm not participating in that. Is what I took it as. I took it as Machete is the type of guy he wants a personal conversation with somebody. He's not messing around with some text conversation. Sure. But he does text Jeff Fahey, right, to tell him no, to come that, after him. No, but he says he's not texting, he improvises. So what do you think? He, you think he tweeted at him? Is that what no, you're saying? I think he did send a text. What okay. I'm saying is he, 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 he needed to make an exception to, to get in touch with Fahey, but he decided, I'm, I'm not going to admit that I text, I'm improvising. But right. so then Savini's character... He says, oh, oh, God, Machete's coming after us. He's like, nope, he's coming after you. And that's it. He exits Is that the last time we see him? Yes. Okay. He just bails. That's why he's the best hitman in the entire state. In that case, I hope he comes back and Machete kills. I'll have to watch that also, even though I heard it was bad. Just, just back, for the possibility oh, that, that uh, Tom Savini comes yes. back. Yeah, it's great. Commercial 1-800-HITMAN is yes, his phone number. His phone number is so great. <laughs> All right, and then I have to talk at least a little bit about Cheech, because 
almost every one of his lines are absolute gold. Because they're all from that trailer. That's the thing. Like His role is almost entirely taken from the trailer. Go ahead. All right. So, I, I mean, the, the line, uh, I absolve you of all your sins. Now get the f*** out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Such a great... That is great. No, the, the line actually... And the church can always use good people. <laughs> talking about Lindsay Lohan. He's got right. two naked women in the back of a hearse, which was his side business. That's the other thing, too, is that he's got a hearse and it's a side business. Right. But he's, oh no, the, the church can always use good people. That's synergy, you know? That's, of course it's a side business. You know, they're using the, the church for the funeral. He may as well have a funeral home or, you know, a, 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 a handle and, the entire process, and, the whole uh, supply chain. And he does not have Cuban cigars, but he has the Mexican equivalent, right. which is marijuana, of I, course. I do find that moment fun. He's like, Cuban? Mexican. Oh, it's like, I, I think it's supposed to be just a joke. Like, no, I am Mexican. But then, yes, he, of course, he has the Mexican equivalent. Yes. No, you reminded me of the line that I like prior to him saying, get the f*** out. I'm so beautiful. You're it's, it's, uh, no, uh, how does, what's, what's the phrase? He goes, Cheech is like, it's dangerous for you to be here. And Machete's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. It's like, no, it's dangerous for me yeah. for you to be here. <laughs> that's, and that's what he tells him, get the that's, f*** out. That's exactly what he says, get out of here because you're endangering me. That exchange I thought was really fun. No, it's dangerous for me for you to be here. Oh, man. Which ends up being correct. It was, it was dangerous it for was. Machete to be there. And the other thing, so the thing about what's great about Tom Savini is that, so he, of course, does the same thing, which Shea Willingham, who's another actual actor that I really like, he's in Boardwalk Empire, he had a smaller part in, he did a lot of HBO stuff after Boardwalk, he did True Detective Season 1, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in, you know what I know him from, is the Fast and Furious series, where oh, he really? has a which small one? part in the fourth one, which I don't know if you've seen. No, because you told me to, I saw the first one, you said, don't. You don't really need to care until five, so yeah. no, I've not seen four. Oh, he does come back in six. He has a very he. he they bring him back for like him. one scene. But he probably yeah, he didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Re- yeah, and I also didn't he, realize that he was in a previous movie. He's a guy who is constantly being like punched and dominated by Paul Walker's character. Like he's just like he Paul hit? Walker's bitch. Does he get hit in the testicles with a hockey puck? No, he does not do that. That's, t- that's Paul Walker's job in a different movie. I've still never seen that movie. I, I, well, I mean, now that I am pro-Paul Walker, at a time in my life I was anti-Paul Walker. You were very anti-Paul Walker. Uh, I've come around. It took his death for you to become pro-Paul oh, Walker? Oh, no. I, 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 there's definitely an episode of this podcast of me speaking ill of the dead regarding Paul Walker. So it was the death didn't do it. It was finally seeing all the Fast and Furious movies <laughs> and realizing, oh, okay, Paul Walker's actually awesome. He Well, he is... He goes I'm from giving being, him sly eye right now. About he's <laughs> awesome. He goes from being a very wooden bad actor to a very charismatic, like easygoing bad actor over the course of that franchise. By the end, by by Furious Seven, I think Paul Walker is great, like genuinely great. He's the heart of that series. Fate of the Furious is not good, and in part because he's missing. There's there's rumors about the ninth Fast and Furious where they're going to do some CGI oh, trickery. I'm very worried about that, but we'll see. Well, all right, so my, one other thing with Shea Willingham that I want to know, he has one line that I love, is that he's um, he goes up, and he may actually go, it may be Junie that he says this to, now that I think about it, or, or it might be in the hospital, so I'm not sure, but, you know, somebody tells him, you know, no no habla uh, inglés, and he's, you speak 45, that is an, that's like, like a true action movie line, <laughs> I like the way he delivers it. Uh, 
it's okay. Whatever. All right. It's okay. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. All right. But I don't know. It's it's all right. <laughs> we never talked about, I mean, that hospital sequence where the doctor oh, the, very, I, very wait, artificially wait, oh, oh. gives some exposition about the length of intestines, and then that becomes <laughs> relevant. So my, my line, or my note on it is the doctor that the Me Too movement would absolutely crush today, which I do love one of the lines from one of the nurses, I can feel your eyes inside what? my uterus. Well, that's the thing. Is she's the one who brings it up. He I, doesn't say anything inappropriate. She just calls him out on... on leering. Know, yeah, having some roaming eyes. But I do love the fact that he says, man, this is amazing. If you hadn't been shot, the bullet oh, yeah. <laughs> was already launched and you saved you now. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that is a good moment. It, that, that says... That's, that's the perfect way to give... You know, machete, some backstory. We don't need to know the details. Right. There's already a bullet in there. That, that's all we that's need all to know. Need we to don't, know we don't need to know guy. the history of it. Uh, that's, that's the kind of backstory I like. The, the whole opening sequence, that's too much. But I, I, I like that kind of mystery. Of like, oh, how did he get that bullet? We, we should never find out. Because the mystery in and of say, itself your, is your interesting. Ima- your imagination of what mm-hmm. you learn about Machete exactly. is way better than anything that they'll probably ever write. Totally. No, you're, you're right. That is a great detail. Uh, do you have, are you staying in the hospital or are you moving on to something else? Uh, I was going to move on to something else, so let's stay in the hospital. I mean, we have something. to at least talk. I, mean, I, I hinted at it, but Machete using a guy's intestines <laughs> to, to repel to, out of to, the window. To do the die hard out the window? Yeah. That's that's quite a moment. Yes, it, it doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. Like that's that's a level of gore that this movie isn't really trucking in by and large for but, the most part. For the but, most part, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's amazing. It's like something out of Ricky O or something. Like, yeah, and he he does he does the John McClane. He gets all the way going down to breaking into you know the next floor with the guy's intestine. Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of incredible. Uh, but anyway. All right, so, well, the that? only other thing that I had is that, and I maybe I'm reluctant to even bring it up, but one of the lines that De Niro has, so if the current president was really stealing from this playbook, I can't believe, this seems like a line that he would have stolen. So somewhere in the speech, I think I'll try and do my bad Texas accent by De Niro. Red Rover, Red Rover, let the terrorists come over. Sure. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, how did the Trump administration or the Trump campaign not steal that line if they were stealing from this movie? Because Trump. And by the way, I'm not. I'm not endorsing that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just suggesting that if they were stealing from this movie, which it seems to be in some ways that they were, I'm surprised they did not steal that line as well. Yeah, I mean, Trump isn't clever enough <laughs> to, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's obviously, it's, it's sarcasm. Like, that's not something that, that I feel like he's capable of, no, is, maybe. is using sarcasm like that. I don't Cause know. Because he, he's painting, because De Niro's character is painting a picture of, oh, all, all the, right, you know. it's wide open. And, but foreign terrorists are going to come up, stream across the border. And but that was one of Trump's claims. I'm just saying. It, oh, sure. That What I'm saying is I'm surprised he didn't outright just blatantly steal that line. But my point is that Trump, his vocabulary is so blunt. And, like, I guess you're right. He, he isn't capable of using any kind of metaphor Irony like, metaphor, like uh, the yeah. game of Red Rover. Yeah, I guess you're He's right. just, they're sending us, you know, rapists. That's like the best. Trump is not clever enough to even ma- understand what a metaphor is. You're right. It, it's like jerk store. It's too smart of a line. For him. <laughs> it is too smart of a line for him. It's like just <laughs> this, this is going to be the episode where we get all the politics out since we generally don't. But you can't help it in this movie. It's a, it's well, like, yeah, well, what's funny is you can't help it now. But if we had done, oh sure, if we had done, I don't done remember, this in 2015. I was trying to think when did we start. Uh, we started before Trump. We started oh, yeah, in, 20, well, in late 2015. Yeah. So if we if we had done Stallone first, right, and we had gotten to this point. 
This would have been just a cartoon movie that we right. were talking about, and that's it. So I don't. It's impossible to avoid the politics because there's so many parallels. Well, I think when we started, Trump was already running for president, so maybe not. <sighs> the first episode went up in like October 2015, and I think yeah. by then he had already announced. So it's, it, maybe not. It, the point is, is that if we all right, let's move back a year from there. If it was 2014, yeah, totally, totally different podcast. There'd be no politics to discuss on this because it would have just been kind of a cartoon movie. Well, there's that's good and bad because I think there is politics in this movie. It's just that as people like us who don't live close to the border, it's yeah. not an issue that prior to 2016 we would have really. It wasn't front it, and center. It, it's an issue that probably does impact. It did impact us at the time more than we realized. So at the time we would have been like, this is, you know, but it's we abstract. wouldn't have addressed the politics in the yeah. movie because it wouldn't have seemed relevant. And then maybe that's a problem in the other direction of like, it, uh, it, this, poli- this movie's politics don't matter when they obviously do and did. I, I mean, it's, it, it could not have been more prescient. That's a fair point. And because it's, I guess, probably were more removed, as you said, in abstract, we might have missed it. I, yeah, I'm sure we would have. I I'm get not, that. I'm not, but what the politics has become is far worse that we... I don't think we would be being honest if we didn't at least discuss it a little bit. Oh, totally. No, it's a specter that looms over this whole movie now. I mean, it's, it, it is a schlocky action movie. It's, it's silly, and it's supposed to be silly. I mean, it does have a political point of view, but it's... It's intended to be the little nugget at the center, you know, like, I, it's it's like, what that was intended to be is the vitamin you put in the dog food to trick the dog into taking <laughs> its vitamins, you know what I mean? It's, it's the politics hidden in this total schlock, and now all you can taste is the medicine because it's it's so, you know, I, relevant to modern times. I think you're right, but here's what I'll go back to, and I think if we listen to this episode, it's sort of what we said at the beginning, though, is that we may have discussed it, probably not as as much, but we would have been looking this at this as a farcical presentation of it. I think yeah. that's the most jarring thing and why we can't ignore it today. Yeah, totally. Is that we might have covered it and it might have been like a minute, two minutes, and it would have been just, wow, this is total farce. But here's the point they're trying to make where it's it's almost impossible not to have it more of a focal point now because the farce has become reality. It's like Network. Yeah. Network is a movie that was... was it was supposed... Everyone dismissed it at the time, not everybody, but a lot of people dismissed it at the time. It was like, this is absurd, this would never happen, the world doesn't work like this. And then, of course, it it is, the world is exactly like It's worse than that, actually, now, in many ways, so. Well, I'd say no one's been killed on the air, well, at least no no newscasters have been killed on the air, but I I watched someone die on the news today. I don't know if you saw that news, I'm not going to get that dark, but, you know. I, I saw a clip on the internet of a news broadcast of a police shootout, and... I mean, I, I saw that really? on they television. That? Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're broadcasting a car chase live like they do. Like, I mean, it's more of a West Coast thing it, where yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll just follow a car chase. And then but, there was a shootout. I mean, I, you'll probably see the news. It happened today. It was pretty recent. But, um, I, yeah, you know, but I, it's, it's so TV is that. Like, it, you know, network is not that absurd anymore. Which is, yeah. it's, it's terrible. So it's a shame that this movie is it's intended to be a light kind of frothy fun movie and it's getting weighed down by, by actual real life events which yeah. is a bummer but it, it, it's a good movie not a great movie but it's worth seeing it's fun it's worth seeing and I I don't know about you but I'm maybe it's because I made the suggestion but I'm glad I made the suggestion I think this was a good detour and a good uh, topic for a bonus episode no I am too a lot of fun I mean I, like I said I, I compared it to Escape from New York and I feel like because Stallone got so famous so quickly he skipped that part of his career whereas Arnold we had at least had like Raw Deal and Red Heat and that kind of like B-movie action kind right. of category 
And we don't get enough of that these days. And I think we both enjoy that of just like big time, you know, low budget action is fun in its own way. You don't get like the big glossy, you know, spectacle most of the time, but you get a kind of a different kind of ingenuity. Like low budget action movies are fun to see. How do they get away with a lot without a lot of money? And this kind of feels like that. Just, I mean, imagine not having in commando, that explosion with those clearly mannequin dummies out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's something me, fun about that. Right, that gives me, I mean, so much joy that that exists. Today, I don't think that stuff probably gets done, or if it does, I'm just not seeing it because I may not be in tune. Well, because every movie is a, a superhero. Like, right. The, the middle budget. Like, it doesn't exist. Commando would never get made today. No. That kind of like, medium budget action movie. Cause that's, that's not that low budget. No. It, but it's, it's low-ish. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not, what would have been the contemporaries? That was 85. So, like, you know, it's not Rambo 2, obviously. No. That was the biggest budget movie in the world. <laughs> yes. So, like, if Rambo 2 had those mannequins, we would have been mad. Because this is a big budget movie. Yeah. Why are you cheaping out on the mannequins? <laughs> but in Commando, you you like it's it. It's endearing. It's Right. Because you know that they're just trying to get by on a limited budget, and they're doing what they and can. And you've got guys doing flips off trampolines. That is amazing. Yeah. And I think uh, you might be mad at me for making this comparison, oh. but uh, I think that's why I was more forgiving about Spy Kids 3, because it has this, we made it in a garage kind of a feel. I mean, it's not an action movie, and it's not schlock. It's a kid's movie, and it's it's a different thing. I'm not saying it's the same thing. Rip that wave, <laughs> Judy. If only Ricardo Montalban oh. had come in as, as like... <sighs> Ricardo Montalban could have played uh, Steven Seagal's character. I mean, you probably couldn't have had a sword fight, but... Yeah. I can't even imagine how great it would have been for a Ricardo Montalban cameo in this. Yeah. He could have been, like, an aged uh, cartel guy. He could have been... He could have been uh, the boss in, in Ice. They could have said, oh, you know... Like, yeah, that's actually... That's what I was thinking, because you, that, that role didn't have much. They could have expanded yeah. it if they got him to do it. I mean, the, the demographics of Ice maybe uh, preclude that. I'm not sure, well, but you never know. Why not? I'm, yeah. Especially then. It would have been reasonable yeah well whatever it, it would have been like charlton heston in true lies or just been like a guy in an office what do you had an eye patch well there's already an eye patch michelle Maybe rodriguez can't have, two. can't have two eye patches well, this is a gag fair enough was there a movie was there like top secret or something or there's a character with two eye patches one over each eye uh, i don't remember. That, i feel like there's some comedy it's like a it's like either top secret or you know hot shots or yeah, something one of those I'm not sure. It seems like it might have been a Hot Shots thing. That might be a Hot At shot. some point, we have to. that's actually a bonus episode we need to do. We need to do Hot Shots Pot Deux. We should. I mean, we we just did Rambo 3, so now, oh, man. now would be the time to do it. Now thinking out loud. You, you opened your mouth. <laughs> Sorry. No, we hadn't we, thought about that. Well, I mean, we should. I mean, I think we're wrapping up, so we should yeah. at least say. What we're, what we're planning next. Regard, you know, Generally, in the mid-season break, which is where we're at now, we would do one bonus episode and come back. Uh, I'm, I will take the blame for this but we need more time i i was saying earlier that yeah i have i have new job responsibilities that i didn't have last year and i think it's become clear that november and december are going to be it's going to be rough for me to get podcast episodes out but we, we want to make sure we're getting episodes out every two weeks yeah so we're uh we're gonna take a longer break which is going to mean kind of more experimental things, let's say. <laughs> we're we're going to experiment in the next episode. <laughs> we're going to try and cut corners to get content out. I wouldn't call it cut corner, cutting corners. <laughs> I would say, you know, this is this is a, a, a experiment, and we'll leave it at that. All right. So, you ready uh, to unveil what we're we're endeavoring next? Yeah. So until we're until we come back for the rest of this season of Stallone movies, we decided. I mean, I guess it is cutting corners because the whole idea is we don't have to prepare. We can just come in and record. <laughs> Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple of commentary tracks. So the next couple of episodes will be us watching a movie and 
commenting over it. And if you out there would like to watch the movie with us, it'll just be us kind of talking over the movie. You know. And we're going to see how it goes. So, so, and then the movies we chose, I think the criteria were mostly stuff that we enjoy. We enjoy, and it's unlikely we're actually going to cover as a real episode. Yeah. You know, we've got a ways to go on Stallone still. I did notice we fought, we just crossed over. We have now covered more Stallone movies than Schwarzenegger movies. Oh, I didn't. And we still have a long way to go on Stallone. We, I don't tell you how many movies we We do, especially since when I was doing some Christmas shopping here at Target, I saw on the shelf Escape Plan 3. I'm like, whoop, we need to get that yeah, on the rotation. We're going to figure out when to cover. The, 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 the stuff that's come out since we started covering Stallone, we're going to have to figure out when we're going to cover those. Yep. Uh, we will cover them, rest assured. Also, we need to talk about Terminator, uh, Dark Fate, and yeah. Rambo 5. I think we were originally planning to kind of do like a year year end wrap up, but there's not enough to talk about. No, uh, I I also want to cover Dark Fate and yeah, we'll we'll in, cover both of those yeah, as full detail. episodes once they're out on video. Uh, anyway, we should we should we're talking around it, but uh, we're going to do a commentary. The first episode is going to be a movie you picked, yes, and it is The Rock. Welcome to The Rock. Yes, since I I think it's safe to say you would not agree to cover every Nicolas Cage movie one at a time. Okay, so <laughs> let me just outline this. When I don't think it. The mics were on, but you hurled a just like a punch in the face at me of when I had just been thrown out there that how much I love Die Hard. You were just adamant. I am not (laughs) watching every Bruce Willis movie. And this is after there. This is a this current run we're on is a compromise for me because you love the Rocky movies and I like Stallone some stuff enough that I'm like, yeah, let's do Stallone next. I was offended that you would just immediately cross off yeah. Bruce Willis. Well, so no, I, that's that's fair. I, I I retract because yeah, it was unfair to you because you're right. You you were less into doing Stallone than, yeah. than I was. But but you know, I, I shouldn't say absolutely not because if you really wanted to do it, yeah, you like, did backpedal after I really got fired up. If you said I want to do every Bruce Willis movie. I, I would I would agree to do it because you agreed to do Stallone, and it would be only fair. Yeah, well, I don't have it in me either, so I'm not looking for that. But right. the polar opposite would be my reaction to covering every Nicolas Cage movie I, would be the exact same I wouldn't, response. I wouldn't even think to bring it up because I know how you feel. Oh, God. But The Rock is a movie you like, correct? I, I, and I won't even say... That's a movie that I re- I I genuinely I almost might, it's been a while but I might love that movie in the act for what it is and many times I would say it about Nicolas Cage the movies that I like that he's in I would say it's in spite of him many times in this instance in particular I definitely would not say it I think he is well cast and playing it well for what he does in The Rock and Michael Bay who you also hate so I don't know how that, this happened you like The Rock The Rock is I love The Rock also and. It, more than, ha- more than it has to be the only Michael Bay movie, other than I do enjoy the first Bad Boys. Uh, Bad Boys 2 is pretty good. Bad Boys 3 is, I think, <laughs> imminent. It's like in a month or two. He didn't direct that, though. Oh. Did he, I, is he I just will, a producer or something? I don't Probably. even know if he's involved, but I will be seeing Bad Boys 3. I might see it with you, too. All right. Well, yeah. So the next episode, we'll be talking over The Rock, and you know, yes. feel free to watch the movie and uh, watch it with us. So that should be an interesting experiment. This may go horribly awry. We'll see. We'll find out. But more than likely, we'll be watching my Criterion Edition Collection uh, DVD of The Rock. It's so. one of the few Criterions that I own as well. Oh, so it's okay. fantastic. Um, so <laughs> they've, they have since disavowed it. If you go on, Every, cri- really? if you go on Criterion.com, you can't find any evidence that they... <laughs> That and Armageddon, they will not acknowledge that they ever put them out. I well, that's interesting. I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it on that. It's interesting why they would have chosen those in the first place because I thought that that was kind of like an artsy kind of high standard. 
Yes, it is. They also just put out every Godzilla movie through 1975, <laughs> which I sub- I immediately bought. So I, I wouldn't call Godzilla highbrow either, as much as I like Godzilla. <laughs> Not exactly. Anyway. All right. Well, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, please like us on your podcast app of choice. And uh, if you're going to be listening along or watching along with us, please uh, tweet at us while you're doing it at Arms Race Podcast. You want people to live tweet at us? Is that what you want? Yeah, that's what I want. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be fine. I, I would enjoy that. Uh, yeah. And if you like the show and uh, you have any friends or family who might also enjoy the show, let them know about the show. Maybe you can watch The Rock with your friends and family and we and can be, we can be blathering in your ears at the same time. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll be back with a bonus episode. The Rock. Bachete, <laughs> bachete,